Debbie, I'm a compulsive overeater. And thank you, Tony, very much for asking. Um, I don't know why I feel afraid because I know a lot of people in this room and um, I am very grateful to be here. So, um, uh, my abstinence is um, no sugared or sugar-free desserts, no bread or bread-type products. And that part I've been able to perfectly do for, uh, thank you God, thank you God, for 20 years. And the rest of my food, I have to say, is highly imperfect. It has also changed over a period of those 20 years. Uh, but uh, what I don't eat has remained the same. So whatever that's worth. Um, I don't know if I should be about what I don't eat or what I do eat. But um, anyway, um, I believe that I was born a compulsive overeater. Um, we're only supposed to talk about our own diseases, but if you lived in my house for 20 minutes, I think we could all get an idea of what was going on. Um, it was an interesting place to grow up. Um, I was one of two girls. Uh, I had a younger sister who um, passed away three years ago from uh, not from an indirect effect of this disease. My mom passed away at 70 from a direct effect of this disease. My dad passed away at 65 from smoking, they said, but he was way overweight and had a heart attack. And so um, uh, I know where I'm going if I leave here. Uh, and I may still be going there anyway, but hopefully not in the next half hour. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, in all sincerity, it's, you know, it's a very serious grave disease that I have, and my mother became, developed an adult onset diabetes. My sister also developed it. I mean, I really know that if I kept eating sugar the way I was eating sugar, if I kept eating bread in the quantities I was eating it, um, that it was pretty certain that was what was going to happen. So, and that was not why I came here at all. Um, but I can tell you after the fact that that, you know, I got clarity now. And, you know, after I stopped, I got clarity. Um, Anyway, I, um, I'm also a sober alcoholic, or whatever that's worth, um, and, you know, I just have had the ism my whole life, um, nothing was ever right, I could never do enough, I could never be enough, um, and I really tried, um, you know, it's like very much, you know, the people talked about, like, the double life. And I really identified with that because I was um, close to a straight A student. I mean, I could not, I was like the overachiever, like, you know, do, do, do. And I still kind of suffer from that part of the disease, like, I can just do, 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 you know? It's hard for me to just be. Um, but, um, you know, I was an overachiever, and yet I, I wanted out so badly. Um, the only thing I could think about was getting out, out of my house, out of my body, out of the town I lived in, out of everything. Um, and 
I really have very few memories of my childhood, probably because I spent most of it either fantasizing about getting out or eating. Um, you know, I, I probably have a thousand stories. You probably have a thousand stories. But, you know, like I, my best thinking was my mother would make, can I talk about food here? Okay. My mother would make a certain kind of pie. And, like, that was my thing. Like, I was very focused on that item. And she would tell me, like, don't touch it. It's in the refrigerator. Don't touch it. Okay, there were two girls, right? So there's like a 50-50 chance that I was going to be the one, right? And, and she would tell me not to do it, and I would go take a beat and, you know, talk about in the big book. The consequences don't occur to us at the time. And I really, you know, maybe the consequences might have occurred to me, but I didn't care. Um, I didn't care about what the trouble was going to be at the end. I didn't care about who was not going to like me, you know, if I was going to get punished. Um, and I performed that little experiment over and over um, where I would, you know, do things, steal food, do things that I was not supposed to do, and not care about the consequences. Or they wouldn't have the same level of importance that they might today if I was going to steal something. Um, anyway, um, I said if you spent 20 minutes in our house, my, this is my, one of my favorite stories. Everybody loves it. Um, my father used to bring people home all the time. Uh, he, he would find, I don't know how he did this, but like I grew up in Omaha, so maybe that's part of it. Um, okay, that explains my problem. Um, anyway, he would like, like if there was an accident on the road, he would pick the people up and bring them home. Like, today I'm saying this going, what was wrong? What, what, what told him that he should, like, bring these people to our house? They just had a car accident. Anyway, they would come for dinner. Um, <laughs> and he did this frequently. He was a very kind, big-hearted man. And he just was going to save everybody. And it took me up. Um, anyway... My mother, if people would come unexpectedly, no matter who they were, even if we knew them, she would say FHC, which meant family hold back. And I think unless you grow up in a house of compulsive overeaters, nobody has to say, like, don't, you know, devour the food, don't grab it, but, you know, like, hold back, like, let the guests have something. <laughs> um, but in our house, that's... That phrase meant something, you know, and I don't, I have yet to find anybody else that knows the FHB. Um, basically, I don't alone I don't have to say that. <laughs> anyway, um, that was just, that was part of it. I also am Jewish. I, you know, I am, that doesn't have anything to do with my problem either, except that my mother said, <laughs> well, it doesn't have to do with my problem today, I feel really weird wearing jeans at Temple, and not <laughs> um, but anyway, um, my mom said, like, Jewish people are not athletic, 
for me, feels like mental tennis. Like, I am going to eat it, I'm not going to eat it, I am, I'm not going to You know, and it went on and on. And my head is so noisy on its own. And I, is that five minutes? No. Okay. And I worked for a clothing company, I'm still in the clothing business, that made large size ladies clothing. And a bunch of us decided that we were going to go to Weight Watchers. And I went and I could not do one day. And to me, that is like the most forgiving food plan ever. I could not do one day. And um, it was absolutely incredible to me because up until then, like, I could stop. I just couldn't stay stopped. But at that point, I knew I didn't have any more diets in there. Like, that question. That was not even, to me, when I look at it today, it doesn't even seem like a diet. You know, like, I was on the 600 calories a day, great fruits and eggs, and this, you know, there are a lot of them I miss. But, um, but you know, there are a lot of them I tried. And that seems so forgiving, and I couldn't do it. And um, my bottom was... I would always offer to go to get lunch, and I would order 20 packages of Melba Toast. And I would sit in my car and like unwrap them and eat them, and um, hence the no bread or bread type product. Everything that I could overeat, I would not be able to eat. So, you know, what my sponsor, Becky, told me to do is to just figure out something that was doable and, you know, what was the most problematic thing in my life. So, you know, bread and bread type things and sugar and sugar-free desserts. Because uh, for me, I can overeat sugar-free desserts the same way. Sugar-free frozen yogurt was like oh, you know, I there was a hiding dot in Brentwood. It was in this little spot. By the time I got abstinent, it was in this enormous place, and I like you know fancies my idea. But like I helped them, you know, it's a fan. Anyway, um. So, this is what my life is like today. Um, I am so grateful that, like I said, that I am willing to able to exercise um, the spiritual part of the program, which is a spiritual program, is, you know, has been really important to me. I have a lot of ideas about religion that I grew up with, a lot of resentments about religion, and is that the okay. Thank you. And, um, you know, it talks about, like, letting go of our old ideas. And unless we let go of some of these old ideas, the result is nil. And I want to negotiate still with that nil. You know, but, um, you know, I had to make peace with my idea of a higher power. And in the um, AA 12 and 12, it talks about you the group of your higher power. And that was what I did. And, um... That was really helpful to me because I knew that two or more of you saying was definitely a power greater than I was. Because on my own, I could not do it. 
And um, it also talks in, in the 12 and 12 about, you know, somebody saying, I don't know when it changed, and I don't know when it changed, but at some point, you know, I came to believe in a power greater than myself. And what's interesting to me is early in my life, I was, I, my whole life really, I was always searching for something. And I, you know, I used drugs to try to get whatever that spiritual understanding was. I majored in religious studies in college. That didn't help. <laughs> and, you know, like, it could n- I could never get it, like, from here, you know. And, um, but I knew that this program worked in other people. And that really helped me to believe. And my AA sponsor said, you know, do you believe that I believe? And she had what I considered to be like an unshakable faith. So I knew that she believed. She was like, follow my faith. You know, if you believe that I believe, just, you know, have, have faith in the fact that I believe. And I did, and that helped. It helped a lot. Um, and I have, you know, I have times where I go um, in and out of having, like, daily conscious contact with God. And I pray every morning and every night on my knees. It's not something that and I was taught to do. In fact, it was something I was taught not to do. But um, that sponsor, my first sponsor, said, you know, if you want what I have, you do what I do. And so I was able to view it differently that, you know, it's just a way of doing something in a different position than I do anything else during the day. And it helps me to kind of stay conscious. Um, and, you know, I, I had a very hard time when my mom passed away. Um, she was pretty young, and I also broke up with a guy who I was sure was like it, and my dog died, and, like, I was really pissed at God. I was really angry. I didn't get it. Um, and, you know, I came to have a spiritual awakening about that, which, it's pretty incredible to me because I realized that like all these things happening all at once, they were all like, you know, like Phoenix in the summer. Like it doesn't matter whether it's 110 or 120, it's harder than hell, right? Yeah. These were all things that were like the maximum in pain, and it it almost didn't matter whether it was one of the things happening or all of them happening. I was doing the maximum amount of pain as it was, and that maybe it was. Um, benevolence of God, you know, it was it's a bigger story than just what I'm saying, but, you know, that maybe the timing was benevolent rather than um, cruel, because it could have been years and years and years of these things happening, one, you know, and, and extend for years. Um, and that was very helpful to me, and I have a lot of if I sit down and I write out the black and white of it, um, like I have a lot of stories that prove to me up here, I guess, that, um, you know, that God is present in my life. And um, I don't really, you know, I don't really talk about that anywhere else but here. And I need to remember that stuff. Because, you know, like I said, I have a lot of times where I just don't have what I would like to have as far as conscious contact goes. Um, the most 
one of the most important things to me in terms of my abstinence has been working with others. It is, for me, a major shift. And it says in the big book that if all else fails, work with another alcoholic. That has been so true for me. Um, and like I said, I've gone through some, for me, what would be a big license to go eat whatever, you know, because they were really devastating to me. And working with others has saved me. I'll wrap it up. Anyway, I'm just I'm very grateful to be here. Um, I'm grateful to be a member. Um, and, you know, I, I truly, truly believe that this program works, that it worked for me. Thank you. Okay, um, this is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own, not those of over. It is anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Hi, thank you very, very much. Um, how many of you with your family and you being in recovery and obviously them choosing not to recover? Um, well, my family was in Nebraska. I've been out here for a long time um, since I, before I got out. And um, <clears throat> I think they could see that things were different for me and, you know, for, for a long time, like it was very uh, upsetting to my mom that I, uh, she didn't want me to be an alcoholic. So she would argue with me a lot. She didn't drink, but she knew that was, you know, like something she did wrong. The food thing, I think they, you know, they really understood it because every, we all had it. And, um, you know, in the beginning it wasn't uh, easy for them, but, um, and my, you know, my nephew, is constantly telling Aunt Debbie stories about me and my food, right? You know, because I do take care of myself in certain ways, and I, over the course of the time, I wanted to eat healthier. Um, but, um, you know, in terms of my parents, they, after a short time, they not only um, accepted it, but, you know, my mom was explaining to my niece when she was very little, it's okay, Aunt Debbie doesn't have to eat bread, don't try and make her eat bread, you know, it's better for her, you know, and I was, I was really kind of amazed, and um, uh, my early birthday is September 7th, so near Labor Day, so I would be in Nebraska often on my early birthday, excuse me, and one year they all came and gave me a candle, and um, you know, I know it was really threatening for them and hard for them to come to a meeting, even though they were coming to support me. Um, but, you know, they were generous people, very generous people. And, um, you know, nobody ever quite got here. Uh, they didn't at all get here, but, um, you know, but they were supportive over a period of time, and it was a gift. You know, I don't know if things might have been different if we lived together in the same house or we were together on a daily basis, but that was what happened. Thank you for asking that. Thank you. Yeah.
Thank you. Um, can you talk about uh, your process in making the ring? Yeah. Um, I'll talk about my, my family. Um, you know, because I owe them a lot of them. I was not an easy person to, um, to have living in their house. You know, I was absolutely, you know, the big book talks a lot about it, about, you know, defiant, rebellious, um, irritable, and discontent. And um, I worked, I've, I've made a mess, I've done inventory several times, and um, I kind of turned my role and my life over to my sponsor. Because um, I, on my own, like, I want to apologize up one side and down the next to people that I really don't know in the next to, and the people that I do, like, I don't want to go anywhere near it. You know, that's, that's my own instinct, right? So what uh, was suggested is to, like, write it out, you know, to start with a fourth step, and to read the inventory to a sponsor. They help me, you know, identify my defects in my heart. And in that process, to uh, you know, I would write an end letter, uh, even if I was going to talk to the person, which you know is preferable to make direct amends. Um, and I would read those letters to my sponsor first before I even attempted to have face contact. Also, by writing those letters, it helped me to become willing. Because within a lot of cases, I was not at all willing to make amends. And you know. Uh, with my sister, through the process of making many amends, because we had kind of small sort of relationship, and I'm very grateful that before she got sick, she had pancreatic cancer, and before she got sick, that we had a good relationship. So I'm grateful for that. And you know, making amends has been it it helps us. You know, it's really not about the results with the other person, but I will say that my experience in making amends has been unbelievable. You know, things I stole from people, risks that I took of, you know, maybe going to jail or whatever, and people have been unbelievable. I mean, I had, like, department store security, the head of security writing a letter saying, I'm so glad your life is better. You know, like, how does that happen? You know, I was, like, envisioning when I mailed the letter, like, Okay, they could be coming for me at any moment, but um, meanwhile, I didn't know about statute of limitations. But I, you know, I've had a lot of events to a lot of people, but I've had really good experiences. I'm happy to talk to you more about it. Jeff, could you talk a little bit, thank you for your share, could you talk a little bit about, you talked a bit about your in-law relationship uh, through the day of, with God, like sometimes you're there and you're talking through the day or whatever, could you talk about that, what that looks like in your life today? Yeah, I would have to say I don't have especially wonderful conscious contact right this moment, and I probably haven't had for a while, but, um, Thankfully, I take act, certain actions, like, um, I'm so grateful. I have um, sponsees, and in the last three weeks, I've had grand sponsees who have called me, because uh, my sponsor was out of town, and my sponsor, my sponsee was out of town, out of the country. And, you know, I pray with people every morning, which is just so wonderful. We read a meditation book, and then we say our prayers together. And... 
you know, for me, the only thing that makes any difference is action. Like, I can't, I try to think my way in and out of a lot of different things, including having a relationship with God, and that doesn't, for me, that doesn't work. Um, but, um, you know, if I try to take action, that helps. And, you know, there was a time when I was in a ton of fear at work, a ton. I hated my job. I've been there almost 14 years now. And when I first got that job, I was in so much fear on a daily basis. And, you know, fear has, is a very motivating thing, you know. I would, like, pray all day long, like, almost like a whirling dervish saying, how can I best serve you, God? I will not mind be done. I would, like, say it, like, with a vengeance, you know. <laughs> it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> but it got me through, you know. And um, even though I don't feel it necessarily on a daily basis, I try to remind myself of times that I know for sure God was present in my life. Um, you know, the way that I got my dog is, you know, she's one of my greatest teachers, and it is, there's no other explanation other than God. I, I mean, it would take a half an hour to explain it, but really, and I have so many things in my life that are like that, so... It's good to remember them, and I thank you for asking. Um, so, about conscious contact with God, it seems like I did it for the best through you through the program. Uh-huh. But every once in a while, my head will tell me my religion of origin is 5,000 years old. And I go and I look, and everything, so I, I will have a horrible reaction. And do um, you have any experience of going? Yeah, I actually, I have a lot of resentment um, because my, um, and totally an outside issue, but my father's parents were Orthodox, and they, and part of what that is, is, um, or at that time, was, you know, that girls are not viewed in the same way that boys are, and, um, and I had a big resentment about that. And um, what um, what was helpful to me was um, uh, I've never been in how I've been to one meeting, but my and my sponsor has never been in how. But for whatever reason, we did these thirty-day questions, and one of the questions was draw a balance sheet, like draw a line on all the paper, reasons for believing in God, reasons for not believing in God. And through doing that exercise, it enabled me to, for whatever reason, it enabled me to get rid of those, some of those resentments that I had. And I really love going to Temple today. I really do. Um, I go to a place where they just have services once a month, uh, and I really enjoy the rituals of it. And so it's kind of like been like kind of a full circle for me. I really enjoyed my religion when I was a kid, and then I got angry, and I didn't. So for me, to me, it has been like a a natural progression with, you know, melding that, uh, you know, my idea of a higher power, which I got here, and that's part of it. So today, it feels really good. 
You don't really want me to show you my I'm sorry, I shouldn't make a joke about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I have that. I really have that disease. And, um, and I have obsessed about a lot of body parts. Um, namely, like from here to here, <laughs> you know, like above here. Well, now that I'm 57, maybe above here is not so good. But, um, but I, you know, it, what helps me is working with other people. Um, what helped me is exercise to like get into my body rather than to be in my head about it. Um, you know, I've had to do exercises, mental exercises, which I thought were really dumb, and those have really have anything to do with OA, but like to try to do affirmations or, you know, and um, it seems like the better I eat, the better I feel about my body. Um, and today, when I check out in the grocery store, like, I would be very happy for somebody to look at my grocery cart, you know? It used to be that I was like manufacturing, I'm having a party, right? And, um, and there was nobody but me at that party. So today, when I have a party by myself, it's usually a pity party and not grocery store, you know. But, um, but th the better I eat, the better I feel about myself. If I exercise on a daily basis, which for me has been really important. I suffer from depression, which is a totally outside issue. But for me, like 20 to 30 minutes of exercise on a daily basis helps my head. Um, it helps me chemically, and that also helps me not to obsess quite so much. Um, and it's been a really important part of my recovery. I hope that helps. Hi. Um, so you talked about how really helps you. All the time. <laughs> really, all the time. Um, but you know what? I this is uh, principles about personality, and I, you know I am so fortunate that the people that I sponsor today and the people that they sponsor are people that truly, truly I care about and love. There have been times where you know I don't even care for the person at all. And I've had to really work on the principles above personality thing to, in order to pick up the phone on a daily basis because for me this, like I eat every day so I need, you know, help every day. And, um, but I, you know, sometimes I do it imperfectly, let's put it that way. But when I have commitments to people, generally I pick up the phone. Sometimes. <laughs> If it's a very late night, I don't want to pick up the phone in the morning. But um, generally, I, um, I have a pretty good dotting average of acting better than I feel. I hope that helps. And you know my sponsor quite well. And you know, you know, she's, I'm very fortunate. I have sponsors, one in each program, who they're like, you know, like I need somebody that's going to give it to me straight, you know, that there's no missing words, there's no making nice, which for me is a gift, you know, and I have two sponsors that have strong, strong discipline, and that has helped me tremendously.
in all areas. Can you talk about you know process in which your loving partner let you decide what your outcome should be? Like if from um, wanting to do it for yourself instead of choosing something like that. That's part of the process. Well, I'll I'll tell you, and I love my sponsor. Um, she's been my sponsor for most of 20 years. Um, she was assigned to me. I didn't get her on my own. I didn't pick her. Nobody picked her but God, in my opinion, because my AA sponsor knew her. And she, when I decided that it was time to come here, she said, this is going to be your sponsor, Becky. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know her at all. And I am so grateful that the first time that I spoke to her, she said, let's take an action this is doable. What are the problems for what are the worst problems? And I am so grateful that that happened immediately. There was no discussion as, um, there was, you know, no emotion involved in it, just kind of a, you know, a very fast kind of decision. And like I said, my food has changed a lot over time. And, um, you know, certain things that I ate in the beginning to help me digest that just deal with no sugar, no bread, no blah, blah. You know, I don't eat those things today, but um, such as pasta. Like, I almost never eat that, but I was, like, eating it, like, four or five nights a week. And when my doctor and my sponsor told me I needed to eat more protein, I literally was, like, by the side of my bed crying. Like, I did not want to give up any more anything. You know, really. Um... Thank you. So, um, I wish I could say that there was like a process involved, but it was, I guess it was a question of the fact that I was on my knees over this, and I was willing to take direction. That was really how it happened. Um, thank you for your sharing. Did you did the loss of your family change your relationship with yourself and God? Very much. Um, very much. Um, yeah, uh, it, you know, like I said, I was, my dad died, like, very suddenly, um, like, without any warning whatsoever, and my mom was sick for a period of time, and my sister was sick for a period of time, and those, those transitions have been, it's, for me in my life, those, it didn't matter whether it was quick or it was fast. It was way too soon for all of them. They were all very young. And um, after I got done being angry at God, um, it was helpful for me to um, use other people. I mean, other, for me, uh, God speaks to me through other people. And that um, was helpful for me. Uh, I didn't want anything to do with anybody, especially after my sister passed away. And I came here and I talked about it anyway. And I'm sure, we, you know, people were tired of me talking about it. But that's a tool that I've learned here is I'll wrap it up is to, you know, share about it. And um, through that, I kind of have thought out a little over a period of time because I was really, three years ago when my sister passed away, it was very shocking for me. Um, so 
to anybody here that's going through it or gone through it. Um, I'm here to tell you you can stay sober, abstinent, whatever, through that stuff. It's not easy and it's painful, but it can be done. We're lucky to have the program. We are so fortunate. I am so grateful to have this program because on my own, I don't know how to deal with any of that stuff. Thank you.